Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Recycle by Eurosport, a retrospective series on the most compelling, the most controversial and the most extraordinary riders and races in cycling history. Written by Felix Lowe and narrated by me, Graham Wilgos. Last time out, we went back to 1937 when defending Tour de France champion Sylvain Mars withdrew from the race with his entire Belgian team while wearing the yellow jersey and when he was just days away from Paris. In this edition of Recycle, we doff our cap to Brian Robinson, Britain's first ever Tour de France stage winner. Long before British riders dominated the Tour de France general classification, before Mark Cavendish amassed 30 Tour stage wins, before Robert Miller won the polka dot jersey in Paris and Brian Hoban snared a trailblazing eight Tour stages, an unassuming Yorkshireman called Brian Robinson paved the way with a remarkable solo win on stage 20 of the 1959 Tour. With a career that overlapped the eras of Fausto Coppi and Jacques Anquetil, Robinson was Britain's pioneering pro, the first British cyclist to make what was then a meagre living from the sport. He was the joint first Briton to complete the world's biggest bike race and the first to win a stage by what was, at the time, the third largest post-war margin of victory. When seven riders made up the first team from Great Britain to feature in the Tour in 1955, Robinson, then just 25 years old, was one of two finishers, he came an impressive 29th, while fellow Brit Tony Hoare was the Lantern Rouge in 69th place. A year later, racing as part of the international team, Robinson was third in the opening stage and notched three more top 10 finishes. But in 1957, he crashed out on stage five, having months earlier become the first Briton to finish on the podium of a monument when he was third in Milan San Remo. But Robinson's real breakthrough came in 1958. That was when he was awarded Stage 7 of the Tour after his Italian rival, Arrigo Padovan, was demoted for an irregular sprint. If that made Britain's first stage win in the Tour something of an anti-climax, then Robinson ensured that the second win was anything but, riding clear with more than 100 kilometres remaining to beat the field by more than 20 minutes. Before that, let's go back a year prior to Robinson's huge margin of victory and the 1958 Tour de France. The opening week had been frustrating for Robinson, who had failed to crack the top 10 ahead of stage 7 from Saint-Brieuc to Brest, so he tried another tactic and got himself into a move off the front. There were three of us in the sprint, Robinson recalls, Jean Dotto, myself and Padovan. Padovan was a sprinter, but I knew Jean was no danger. Robinson and Dotto were teammates at French pro team Saint-Raphael throughout the year, except for July. This, remember, was when the tour still insisted on national teams. 
With the British team not reappearing after their floundering debut in 1955, Robinson was now part of the motley crew of internationals. I was feeling good and thought, I've got this one, says Robinson. I went on one side of the road and Padavan on the other. But he came back at me and put me into the barriers. So I went back round him, if you like, and nearly caught up with him again, but didn't quite make it. Obviously, there were no cameras then, no overhead helicopter. So Jock Wadley, who was a journalist following in the car behind, and some other guys put in a complaint and it was successful. I didn't have anything to do with it. The win just came to me. And that was the somewhat unceremonious way in which Britain's first tour stage winner was crowned. Robinson adds, I knew morally I'd won the race. It was just a shame that there was that type of event at the finish. It took the shine off it. Anyway, we confirmed it the year after, and there was no doubt about that one, was there? No doubt indeed, although were it not for an obscure loophole, Robinson's defining win might never have happened. In the 1959 tour, Robinson first had to survive illness and possible elimination. He was no stranger to illness, his 1958 tour having been curtailed on stage 20 because of stomach problems with Paris cruelly, tantalisingly, in sight. One year on, in stage 14 from Aurillac to Clermont-Ferrand, Robinson, now riding as part of the international team, endured a day of absolute purgatory on the bike and needed to be nursed along by his Irish teammate Seamus Elliott. I was riding pretty well that year, but I spent the night on the loo, Robinson admits. I was so weak the day after that Shay, we were in the mixed team together, waited with me and we got eliminated. Shay wasn't ill himself, but he stuck with me. I told him to go ahead because I was finished, but he replied, To be honest, I'm not a great tour rider and I'm not that bothered, so he stayed with me. That was probably a modest statement by Elliot, who was the first Irishman to win a tour stage, the first to wear the yellow jersey, and the first native English speaker to win stages in all three Grand Tours. He also finished runner-up to Jean Stablinski in the 1962 World Championships road race and became the first foreign winner of Omloop Het Nieuwsblad three years earlier, in 1959. In any case, the two internationals finished stage 14 more than 47 minutes down and faced elimination from the race. However, an old rule dictated that riders in the top 10 were exempt from the daily time limit, giving an unexpected reprieve to Robinson, who had been ninth in the standings before falling ill. So, he explains, I stayed in and Shay went home. As he went and caught the train, I told him, we'll resurrect something out of this tour. We've got to win a stage or something. And that's how we left it. I then looked through the handbook and chose a stage where I would have recovered and could have a really good go. The day Robinson chose was deep into the race. Stage 20, 202 kilometres from Annecy to chalon sur saone It was the day before the final time trial when many of the GC riders would have been preoccupied about the task ahead. I said to my mechanics, get my time trial bike a day early, says Robinson. They fitted light time trial wheels to his pale blue Giminiani frame and Robinson was good to go. He knew the roads well because he had ridden a criterium in the area and decided to make his move in the town of Belagarda, near the Jura Mountains. He was joined by Dotto, his teammate from San Rafael. Unbelievably, says Robinson, Jean came along on the quiet and said, Look, I'm second in the King of the Mountains. Would you lead me out on the last climb? And, if you do, I might win it. So that's what we arranged to do. But, I said, on one condition. When we get to the top and I let you through for the points, you let me go on my own after that. And that's what happened. It might have been the last climb, but there was still well over half the stage left to ride. That didn't deter Robinson, who took risks on the hairy descent to distance Dotto and solo clear. Poor old Jean, says Robinson. He was a good climber, 
that he couldn't go downhill, which in my mind is terrible. We were good friends, really. I was good friends with most people. And he shouted, wait for me. But I eventually got away and the rest of the peloton thought, oh, we'll let him die out there. But I didn't die, even if there was still about 130 or 140 kilometres left. The gap was around one minute at the bottom of the climb. But the road was gravelly and I thought, oh Christ, if you get a puncture now, it'll all be over, says Robinson. Anyway, I avoided the puncture and they never saw me again. But, like I said, I had loads of friends in the peloton and they would have been wanting a quiet ride because it was the time trial the day after. There was only one more day after that. I had already almost been eliminated once and I was no threat to anyone on the GC. So I was crafty, if you like. The gap grew to four minutes over the next 40 kilometres and, despite a strong headwind, Robinson's advantage continued to multiply. All the while, he reminded himself that he was doing it for Shea. It was undeniably a lonely day in the saddle. With no one's company but his own, the lone leader sang to himself. There were no spectators through the countryside, says Robinson, only when you pass through a town. I think I was elated. Well, I should have been, really. And I remember I had some kind of repetitive French song in my head. Entering the final hour of racing, Robinson's lead was 19 minutes and he knew victory was his. The finish was on the Riverside Promenade at Chalon and he was able to soak up the atmosphere in a way his de facto win the previous year simply didn't allow. When the peloton came home 20 minutes and 6 seconds later, the sprint for second place was won by Padovan, the man whose elimination had gifted Robinson his maiden victory one year before. We had a good laugh about that. I must have been his bête noire, says Robinson. So, what happened next? A day later, Robinson suffered in the 69km time trial, coming home 15 minutes behind the winner, Roger Riviere. After the final stage to Paris, he was 19th in the general classification, more than an hour down on the Mayo Jean, Federico Bahamontes. He raced the next two tours and entered his final one in 1961 as Britain's first champion of the Dauphiné. I don't know how I get along with how cycling's done today, with Strava and stuff, with it all being regimented, Robinson says. We were free to race. There was no interference, really, once you got off and the gun had gone. The team was on its own, and the team made up its mind what it was going to do. If one of your guys got away, then you protected him. That's what happened with me and the Dauphiné. On the second day, two riders got away, and I chased them, being the policeman for the team. Our San Rafael team had Raymond Mastrotto in the jersey, and we got eight minutes. Our director let me go, and I got the jersey. It was much better that I got eight minutes and the jersey stayed in the team, and I kept it to the end. I was riding well. Robinson and Mastrotto pulled off a 1-2 for the team, with two other San Rafael riders completing the top five. Today, Robinson claims he's not been back to Chalon since his win, but that's not strictly true. When stage seven of the 1961 tour ended in Chalon, Robinson finished deep in the peloton in 75th position, some six minutes and 33 seconds down on winner Jean Stablinski. In any case, Robinson's margin of victory on stage 20 of the 1959 tour remained the third largest until it was superseded by the Spaniard José Luis Viejo, who won stage 11 in 1976 by 22 minutes and 50 seconds. That made Viejo's margin the largest on record. Robinson's gap of 20 minutes and 6 seconds remains the fourth largest to date. So... Did Robinson give his old mucker Elliot a call on the evening of his win? It was not as easy in those days, he says, but he was sure the Irishman would have been following the race from home, and he certainly received his cut for that day of selflessly nursing Robinson through illness. We were still sharing prize money, says Robinson, even though he'd gone home. Not that we made a right packet, but he was in on the deal, if you like. One direct upshot of Robinson's record ride was that, days after he was almost eliminated but for an archaic ruling, he brought about the elimination of another tour great. 
Twelve years after his victory at the 1947 Tour, France's Jean Robich finished well outside the time limit just two days from Paris. I knew Robich had been dropped and was struggling at about half the distance, Robinson says. Journalists relayed the message from Jean. Doucement, je suis caput. Gently, I've blown up. I'm not proud of it, but I'm afraid I slung a deaf one and just kept up the rhythm to the finish. Robich, who never rode the tour again, later said, I was eliminated by a rider who had already been eliminated. In 2014, Robinson was given an MBE in the Queen's New Year's Honours, and 60 years after Robinson's exploits, in 2019, the Tour de France returned to Chalons-sur-Saône at the end of its first week. It was the longest stage of that year's tour, a 230-kilometre ride over three lower category climbs, but it was, perhaps predictably, one in a bunch sprint by Dylan Gronewagen, rather than a solo break in the vein of Robinson. It's unfortunate that nowadays a solo break doesn't happen often, Robinson says. They let a break go, but almost always catch it just before the finish. With the radio and stuff like that, it's not like it used to be. Since Robinson's victory and Stablinski's win three years later, Chalon has hosted two more stage finishes, with victories going to the Dutchman Rick van Linden in 1975 and France's Thierry Marie in 1988. Robinson says he was invited to be a guest at 2019 Stage 7 by the mayor of Chalon, but had to turn it down because his days of long-distance travelling are well behind him. Instead, he watched on television ahead of appearing at an event for one of his local cycling clubs. Nowadays, Robinson admits he is in awe of the success of British riders at the likes of Team Ineos. It's very different to my day, he says. 60 years ago, there weren't many of us Brits. I was a lone ranger, to be honest. But nowadays, we have guys who have won the tour several times and British guys who can ride the tour without any problems. We've come a long way. Back then, we couldn't put a team together. He admits that his victory in 1959 helped him sign a new deal with San Rafael. He was also invited on a week-long tour in Spain with the tour winner Baja Montes and French stars Anquetil and André Derigade. I needed a contract, so the win helped, he says. Not that winning got much publicity back over here. I was divorced from England, living in France, riding in France. England didn't have much input, if you like. It was reported in the papers, though. The best one was half a page in the Daily Express, probably because they had a guy on the tour itself. On today's riders, Robinson says he would like nothing more than to see Mark Cavendish notch another stage win, should he return to the Tour de France. I'd be so happy for him, says Robinson. Cav needs it like I needed it. This has been another episode of Recycle by Eurosport, written by Felix Lowe and narrated by me, Graham Wilgos, produced by Pete Burton. You can read more from Felix on Twitter at Saddleblaze and you can hear more from me at Graham Wilgos. Plus, you can follow Eurosport at Eurosport underscore UK and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Join us for our next episode when we'll be looking back to 1919, the year that Eugène Christophe wore the tour's first yellow jersey. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe, share and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.